Hi, it's Dr. Chelsea, and this episode comes straight from all of you. I've had many people ask me to talk about having alternates on your dance teams. This is a tricky situation, both mentally and logistically, but I didn't feel like I could talk about the topic on my own. So instead, I've interviewed five successful high school coaches to get their insights and perspectives on using alternates in their programs. As I hoped and expected, there are some themes running through the interviews, but also some unique ideas and different approaches. But before I share these interviews, I want to share a different perspective than any of these coaches. I personally never used alternates when I coached at the high school level. I'm not saying it's bad by any means. I think it can be done very well. However, when you listen to these interviews, my hope is that you take the ideas and inspiration and then sit with your own philosophy and approach to coaching and decide what will work best for you. You may decide alternates don't work for your program and that's okay. You may decide it does fit and you want to try a new approach. From the point of view of the psychology of coaching, there isn't a right way to do this. So listen to these interviews and then listen to yourself and decide what's best for you and your program. Okay. Let's get into these interviews. We have Kevin Mathis, Ta Fett, Jen Kreider, Renee Buckholtz, and Jana Blue. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate you. Chelsea, I am thrilled to be a part of this. I am so such a, a, a fan of the work that you do, and I'm honored to be a part of this. Oh, thank you. So thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm excited. Will you uh, just introduce yourself real quick for us? Sure, sure. Um, my name is Kevin Mathis. I am the coach at Lake Central High School in St. John, Indiana, uh, former coach at Purdue University in West Lafayette. I can go on and on with uh, all the places that I've been, the things that I've done, just to say that I'm probably uh, twice the age of most of your listeners. <laughs> well, we would appreciate your experience and help with this. So as I mentioned to you that I, I personally have not used alternates before, and I mm -hmm. wanted to get the uh, opinions, advice, philosophies of coaches who have done it well. So will you just share a little bit about what is your philosophy around alternates? Why do you have them? What does that look like for you? I tell you, it took me a long time to get to where I am right now in terms of using alternates. Uh, it was something I, I shied away from. So if there's anybody out there that has hesitations or reservations, I can certainly respect that and understand that because it's a, it's a tricky area. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do is, is building trust within your organization. I know that when I started the idea of doing alternates, I, it took me a couple of years of just talking to my team that this is coming. This is something that I think is going to be important for us to do. Uh, it was really, it started an awful lot at the collegiate level when I was coaching at Purdue. I, I did that for about 10 years. And you, I would go to nationals and I'd go to various places, camps, and I would see alternates. And I'm going, hey, you know, here are some teams that I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for, and they have alternates. Why do they have alternates and why don't I have alternates? And I remember... Um, thinking, you know, how can I make this something that's going to be successful at the high school level? So a couple of things I did is I started talking to my girls about doing that. And of course, you know, high school kids, they all want, no one wants to sit on the bench. 
No one wants to be on JV. No one wants to be in the back. So I completely get that part of it. Um, so for me, it was about talking to them about how it would be advantageous to them. So that was the first part of my conversation. I said, here's how you win. You win when uh, we have an injury and we have someone that's available and we don't have to restage the entire dance from 14 dancers to 13 dancers or from 17 dancers to the 14. You know, all those adjustments and all those panics and all those and all that anxiety that you feel as we're rushing to try and set something up. It's not fun. And when we went through a year, we had several injuries. And I said, remember last year when we went through those years, we had injuries and how aggravating it was to forever be changing choreography and making these adjustments and not having someone to step in. Yeah, I remember that. Wouldn't it be nice that there was someone there that can step in and fill that role for us and in, in, in be more in the immediate and take all that pressure off of you? Yeah, coach, that would be nice. I'm like, well, that's why we're going to have alternates. So it, it really, for me, it was it was born out of observing things nationally with, with, uh, with my college team, but also it was uh, from the standpoint of just looking at the needs of our team. Injuries occur, uh, especially now with COVID. You never know what's going to happen with all those things. It's also about observing. I, I, I tried very much to, to create a parallel between what we were doing with dance and what was happening with basketball or with football or you know things that they were familiar with that they could connect with and go, yeah, I see how that happens. I asked them to trust me. I said, and the, and the trust is, is trust that I am going to figure out a way for you to dance. If I have an alternate, the alternate is not intended to not be there. You're on this team for a reason. We just have chosen a certain number to go with. You have the talent. You just maybe need some more time to develop. You're in between maybe JV and varsity. You're not quite ready for varsity, but you're, you definitely have exceeded what's happening on JV. I think you can do more in this room with us than you would in the other room with JV. So come with me over here and let me guide you. Yeah. So that was part of it, too, was you know trying to build trust with them. And so ultimately what it was is that I created all these performance opportunities and then I tried to share. Um, and I would say, hey, you know, you take this weekend off as a basketball game. Let the understudy or the alternate dance this weekend okay. um, you know, and, and give them some performance opportunities. Uh, we also do uh, three routines for competitions. So it allowed me to rotate people in and out. We compete with NDA. NDA doesn't have any objections to that. So it allowed me to be able to rotate dancers and say, hey, this week you're going to be doing jazz uh, and palm, but next week you'll be doing just palm and hip hop um, because I need to rotate this other girl in and give her some experience. So if we need her, she has live performance experience. I said, again, this is going to benefit all of you. I, I kept trying to circle back and show how it benefits them uh, to have people uh, that are ready to step in and they're qualified to step in. And it also benefits the team because we're developing people that would otherwise maybe not dance or still be, you know, maybe a, a level beneath themselves and they're not being pushed along. I just try to, to keep showing them how it benefited them. Yeah. Oh, and you know me and I always take the mindset approach, but I think I love that mindset focus. You're explaining to them why this is good for them and why it's right. not just about how you didn't make it quote unquote, but that you it's, for you. And that's such a good way to phrase it for them and help them see the bigger picture. Um, so you, you started to say a little bit about how they would might, they get performance opportunities, which I love. So will you share some of the, like the nuts and bolts of how alternates works as far as like, when do they find out? Is this an audition thing? What opportunities do they have? How does practice work? That stuff. You know, it's, it's interesting. So I'm going through that right now. Uh, as we start 
usually when I start my season, I'll say, um, I won't tell the girls at the end of the year who's JV and who's varsity. I will just tell them that you're on the team. And so welcome to the team. And as we develop in, over the summer, by the end of the summer, I will say, hey, you're JV and you're varsity. And I usually make that decision just prior to the first choreography session. And I tell all of them, this benefits you. This gives you the opportunity for the next two months, three months, to work on skills and to continue to be impressive and continue to develop. But making the team is just the first step. But what we're really all about with, with our program is training and developing dancers. So let me do my magic. Let my team do our magic and work that magic on you and see how far we can take you. This really benefits you. I kept you know, using that over and over again. So in, as we get into the next phase, which is making selections, which is what you were asking before, um, it's, it really is, is unique to a child. I have some kids that come into my program that, for instance, we're primarily a jazz team. Um, we also do palm and we also do hip hop. Um, and so I, for instance, this year is an example where I have uh, a couple of seniors and I had to sit them down and say, I want you on my varsity team. I respect your contributions, but you're not quite ready for jazz. Yeah. Um, and I said, but I can get you into the hip hop dance. Uh, and I can also give you performance opportunities at basketball games and football games with some of our routines that we learned at camp. Um, is this okay with you? Is this something that you can, that you can live with? Yeah. And, you know, and of course, you know, everyone always says, yes, you know, they're, they're happy to, to accept that rather than not. I says the other opportunity I have is I can put you on JV and you would dance in all three routines. Right. So you can choose whether or not you want to be JV and, and be a hundred percent or be varsity and be, you know, possibly a, another percentage. I said, but here's the other part about this. This is where you are today. Who knows? I mean, I've seen girls that turn the corner or dancers that will turn the corner in 60 days or 30 days that were way different than they were prior. That might be you. I am willing to work with you. I says, I look at you like my own child. I mean, I wish that someone would give my kid multiple opportunities to get better at their sport. And, and I think that's what our job is as coaches. We really aren't trying to coach towards a trophy. We're trying to coach our kids and, get, and create opportunities. Very few of these kids are going to go on and become professional dancers, um, but they might become leaders somewhere. So I try and teach them how to be a leader. I love that philosophy so much. Any other thoughts, tips about alternates that you want to share with well, I think it's important that alternates feel included. I think it's important that alternates are given opportunities. I think it's important that alternates are, are shown respect. I think it's important that alternates are shown their value. Um, and I also try and tell even my kids that are not alternates, I tell them all of you really are alternates because you may be my, my center dancer, but if you don't show up, if you don't do the things that you're supposed to be doing, there's a girl over here waiting to take your spot. <laughs> Yeah. And so in, in reality, you're all alternates. I mean, do I, do I talk to each person about how I see them contributing to the program and what their role is going to be? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I also stress to them that nobody has a spot that's guaranteed. And if, if uh, the person that is, if we're dancing 14 and you're number 17 on my depth chart, but number 17 passes number 14, guess what? 14, you're now 17 and 17, you're now 14. Right. Everyone has to pull their weight. Everyone, I tell them all, everyone has to carry their own water. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me, Kevin. I really appreciate it. 
I'm not really sure if I gave you a whole lot, you but I, if lot. it works, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> um, I, I know that you have a, a great rapport with your audience, and I know that you'll find a way to find value in all of this. Oh, thank you. We absolutely will. Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Will you please introduce yourself for our listeners? Uh, my name is Ta Fett. I um, am a high school counselor in a small town in northern Minnesota, Frazee, Minnesota. And I coached a dance team. I started a dance team and coached it for 24 years in our little town. Awesome. Will you explain a little bit about your philosophy with alternates or why you've had them in the past? Well, when I first started the team, we were a non-competitive team, primarily there for football games and basketball games and um, performances. And then the school asked if I would consider becoming a competitive team through Minnesota State High School League. And I did that for 14 years. And when I started off, um, I was still had the same philosophy, you know, almost everybody made the team and we got to state the first year. It was like, <laughs> I'm pretty much like the ultimate optimist. I always think things are going to work out. And in Minnesota, you have a jazz team and you have a high kick team. And typically your jazz team is a little smaller, but your high kick team can be up to like 34. So when I started doing the competitive, I could see like it's just different in the competitive world. You have those kids that have that level of um, competitiveness. And I feel like my philosophy is you should give kids the opportunity to go the furthest they can when it comes to competition. And so doing so means that you are going to have the kids that can do the work and uh, understand the pressure and are willing to do the extras that are needed to be a competitive team. And that's not everyone. And that's okay. <laughs> exactly. It is absolutely okay. Yeah. So will you talk a little bit about like just how it worked for your team? If, you know, like how do you treat alternates during practices or when do they find out their alternates, all that kind of nuts and bolts of it? There was definitely a transition that happened through those 14 years that I coached. So first I didn't have alternates. And, you know, I think the biggest problem for all of us when we're coaching dance is when you have a girl that's out for an injury or a girl is just redoing those formations and making that routine look clean again. Um, so just talking to other really great coaches in the state of Minnesota, which Minnesota has so many great coaches Absolutely. and they talked about alternates. So I decided to use that plan. So when I first started alternates, it would be a young um, dancer who would, you, you'd go into practices and they would just be doing whatever part of the routine, you know, cause there's this girl that's doing this and this girl that's doing that. And I realized you know, probably after a year that that wasn't really working. And so my, I made the decision to take and have two alternates that shared a spot or four where two shared a spot. And when they would come into auditions, we would just take them aside and say, here's the deal. You're both look like you have a ton of potential. We think you can get there, but we're going to make this routine for 12 dancers and you're going to share this spot. And one is going to compete at one competition and then one's going to compete at the other competition. So it was almost in every other, just depending on what competitions were held that week. Okay. And 
when we did that, we just made sure the, the, the question for them was, are you okay with competing every other time and possibly being the one that's not going to end up on the section and state team? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather dance for the junior varsity where you can dance every time? And I think giving them that choice was like one of the most important things. Absolutely. And I think the best thing is to make it clear that you are not like you are kind of competing against each other, but you really want what's best for the team. You need the Simone Biles. You need the Stephen Curry of your team to be in that position. You need to know that if you have and you do have those dancers that would not fit in that position and would not it wouldn't be a good fit. So it's up to us as coaches to make sure we have the right people in those spots. Oh, I like that too, that they're thinking about just giving them the choice. It's such a big deal with motivation in general. Anytime they feel like they have some sort of choice, then they can own that choice. And I like that approach to the alternates for sure. And you're giving them the chance. You're Mm -hmm. saying to them, you're, you know, that you're not you know, and it's, oh, and I think that we get so hung up on levels. It's okay to be at a JV level. It's amazing. I mean, you, that's, and that you're, you know, you're just a little bit in between varsity and JV, and we want to push you to be at the next level. Now, I will tell you also that if someone else had an injury, sometimes that alternate would fill in for them. Mm -hmm. And on my high kick team, every year, that I had an alternate, an alternate ended up dancing. They did because of an injury, because of some, you know, some violation or something that happened. And so they ended up dancing at sections and state because of circumstances every single year for <laughs> six years that happened. Wow. So for, I know coaches always ask about like the, the little details, right? So I assume if they're alternating competitions, then everyone is paying for uh, costumes and all, like it's all split, right? You're not just, if you're an alternate, there's parts that you don't contribute, right? You're, it's all the same. Well, in, in my school, um, the last three years, there was very little that the students had to pay for. And I also have friends and um, community members who are willing to pay for anything for a kid that can't afford Um, shoes or, but I like this point because I think that what's really important and I didn't always do it. I'm going to tell you that I had to really think, you know, a lot of things I'm telling you are lessons learned and they have to feel a part of the team and not just from the coaches because we saw them as part of the team, but you need your leaders to say, you need to say to your leaders, these girls, they are so important important for this team. First of all, they might end up having to step up sections and state when we need them a week before sections or a week before state. So they have to feel as important on the team. And again, after that's happened a couple of years, the girls that were alternates were like, I might end up there anyway. So they worked hard. That's true. When I think embracing, having your leaders embrace them makes such a difference. If you can't like fix the team bonding a week out from sectionals, it's like if they haven't been included this whole time, it's not going to happen. So it's a really good point to have the leaders there too. Right. So if you pick the right kids that are, that are all team focused, they understand the philosophy of team. They understand the philosophy of teamwork. You definitely need to have a conversation with the parents. They need to understand their child's role because if they don't understand it, 
they're going to be misunderstandings and hurt feelings. So that, because kids get it, kids Mm -hmm. get it, you know, (laughs) and, you know, and they, and, and, uh, and I think another thing is important is to talk to all kids about disappointment. Disappointment happens in sports. Absolutely. But rarely does devastation happen in sports. There's a difference. Disappointment is when you lose a competition. Disappointment is when you don't make the varsity team. Disappointment is when you have an injury that keeps you from competing. Devastation is losing a student. Devastation is losing your parent. And I think the most important lesson we can teach kids in sports before your season ever starts is the difference so that they understand and can manage it. That is such good advice, Ta. Thank you. Any last words of wisdom about alternates or anything you would want to share with the coaches? Well, I can just tell you a story about alternates. I would love that. Go for it. But one year I had two girls that were sharing a spot, a younger girl Mm -hmm. and an older girl. And they were going back and forth for competitions. And we could tell that the younger girl, skill-wise, was going to probably surpass the older girl Mm -hmm. and end up on our sections and state team. So we decided to change one of the competitions. So the younger girl was supposed to dance, but it was conference. And I was thinking, let's get that older girl in that conference dance. So she, if we get into the top, she can have a chance at being an all-conference dancer, Mm -hmm. you know. And so then we came to practice. It's never been a big deal. And we said to the younger girl and the older girl, Younger girl, you're gonna, you're not gonna dance at conference. Older girl's gonna dance at conference, and then we'll talk about what's gonna happen the following week. Well, we had obviously not chosen the right alternate because she quit. And oh, wow. yeah, and I look back on that. So I, so she came in and she was very upset. And why did this happen? I thought I was dancing at conference, but I couldn't really tell her because I hadn't have a conversation with the eleventh grader. And so I was just trying to say, you know, you need to trust us. We have a plan. And um, anyway, she ended up quitting. And it always made me so sad that this girl was headed for that state floor, but just couldn't handle, you know, that situation, not knowing, like just ha- she just didn't have the trust in us. And again, that goes on us. I, you know, I think we could have done a little bit better of handling it. But um, so make sure you're always communicating that there can be changes and, making sure that they understand that role. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. And I appreciate you sharing the story. And you're not the first coach today to talk about trust. I think that's a really important part of this relationship with your dancers. If they trust you and your plan that, you know, they know you have the whole team at your heart. That's not out to get anyone. Right. Right. And again, I think the thing about the alternating is that it just like, you have to look at competition too, which ones you don't have to win every competition, which, wh- where do you want to go with your team? What's the end game? And that's why it's like, yeah, if we don't win the first three or you don't place in the first three, you're giving these kids an experience to dance. And that's important. That is absolutely, that's the bottom line. Well, thank you so much for your advice and your wisdom today, Ty. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It was great meeting you. Hi, Jen. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Will you please introduce yourself for us? Yes. Um, my name is Jen Kreider. I teach and coach at Joliet West High School in Joliet, Illinois. 
thank you for joining us and telling us about your take on alternates. It's something that so many coaches have questions about. So will you share your kind of philosophy around alternates or why you have them, how that came to work for you and your program? Yes. So I feel like I might be an outlier in the alternate situation as a coach because we have alternates, but they aren't treated like alternates, nor are they labeled alternates. Um, so my philosophy on them is don't have alternates because what that would say is their only job is to substitute for someone when something goes wrong. Um, so like in the true sense of they're taking the place of or subbing someone out, we don't have alternates. We refer to our groups as flooring and not flooring or fielding and not fielding, depending on the season. So we do have people who don't perform um, and they can perform in the event that they are able, but they're, we don't call them an alternate because I believe that it creates um, an interesting culture with the team, more focused on the negative of it, where the person who is not flooring is trying their best and doing these new things and working hard with the team, where the only chance they have to perform is if someone gets hurt, they're ineligible, sick, they're absent, whatever, they have a behavioral consequence. So they're waiting for somebody to do something wrong or have something wrong happen to them. So that's like, whatever the reason might be, they're waiting for something to go wrong. Um, and I had, so I used to coach at Troy Middle School in Shoreville, Illinois. And it, like for the first six years of coaching, um, I had traditional alternates where they were like given an asterisk on the tryout, like when they were posted for the, the people who made the team. And one of them asked me like, can I skip practice today? And I said, oh, you know, our practice policy went over it. And she said, yeah, but why does it matter? I don't perform. And I was like, so she clearly did not feel like she was a valued member of the team. Mm-hmm. So we try to teach everyone like they're not replaceable that they're an important member of the team. So that's kind of my like philosophy of we don't actually call them alternates. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to make everybody feel like they're valued and seen. And um, we're very heavy on the growth mindset in our program. So we say like, just because you're somewhere today doesn't mean you're going to be there tomorrow. Um, so it gives everybody the opportunity to work every day towards a goal. Now, will say it causes a lot of extra work for me (laughs) because I'm like making it so it's not negatively impacting those people who are flooring to like shift formations but also and this happened once we're about to floor for a competition and a girl fell down a stair broke her ankle couldn't perform and in that sense I was like it would be nice to just have an alternate to like throw into that spot but we had to like rework things last minute um but overall I think it's been really successful because you're pushing everybody in the program. Right. I appreciate that philosophy that it is a little different and a different approach to it, but that's, that's great. That's part of what I wanted to do with this was share different approaches and language matters. And like, I think the word alternate itself doesn't have to be bad. There are people who like how you set up your culture, but being able to phrase it differently, it, that's a good way to think about it. It was just thinking about the type of language you use and what's the message that the dancers are getting. Yeah. And we have weekly conversations. So every day on Friday, um, we have like one-on-ones where I will talk to every girl. If we're, I say girl, we only have females on the team this year, but every athlete mm-hmm. um, who every week we talk to them, whether they're flooring or not. And we let them know like this week, you're flooring for these reasons. Here are things you still need to work on. And then if there's someone who is not flooring, we like, I always ask first, do you think that you're ready to floor? Can you execute this routine safely, performance-wise, at a high level, whatever? And 
almost every single time. There have been two times where they did not agree with me, but almost every single time they will say like, no, I'm not ready. I'm like, okay, for what reason? Or they say, yes, I'm ready because mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So it also just opens up a different opportunity for you to have communication with your athletes and for them to know that you see them, that they're not just in the corner practicing a routine, that you're able to have those conversations. Yeah. And I wish even when I was doing traditional alternates that I would have had those conversations with my athletes. So like long arm coaching, obviously you learn. And I think that was something that's made a dramatic impact for the people who are flooring and the people who are not. Right. Well, and that fits with your message of the growth mindset. Like even if you are flooring, you still have room to grow and you still have something more to work for. Um, And then, okay, but now my coaching hat logistically, how do you do that every week? (laughs) So we set a timer. It's a five minute conversation. And I will say, you kind of know your athletes. So if there's going to be someone who's long-witted, they're always the last person, whether they're flooring or not. If I know the conversation would go long, I make them last. Um, And they know, like I let them say their piece. My conversation, I have three things in both categories. They generally have to do, like the first one has to do with performance. Second one has to do with technique. Third one has to do with culture on the team, like what they're bringing or what they're not bringing. Um, So they already know what, I'm going to bring to the table. So they're not like switching, asking questions. Like, I'm not sure which part of this you're talking about. So it took, it took a lot of fine tuning, but on Fridays we have an extra 30 minute practice. So usually like during the week we'll end at 4:45, and then on Fridays we'll go until 5:15, and they know that. Um, but also because our games are usually on Fridays. So we have like two hours to talk for the next performance for whatever season you're in. So I'm saying for next week, what we've been working on and cleaning, like this is where you're at. Um, so there's just a lot more downtime when they're doing their hair, or they're doing their makeup, they're getting their uniforms, whatever. So not wasting like precious practice time, but utilizing those days where you're like, we're not doing as much. So it doesn't obviously have to be at the end of the week, but it helps. Yeah, no, I like that. And actually having a really clear, like, these are my three bullet points for, like you said, for you, yes, it's more work, but I could see that becoming a quick rhythm of like, you know what you're going to say and it makes it easier to produce that. That's awesome. Yeah. And they know what to expect. So they, I like each kid has a note card so they can write down things that they want to, but they know too, it'll say like technique. So like, Mm. there's just, I don't know, a flow with it that everyone would get their own, but it, it took, I would say a season to make it seamless. Sure. It got there fairly quickly. Yeah. Well, and I think like any of this, if you're going to switch and change it up, it takes a little while to adjust, but that's a really great system. I like that. Will you share other things about alternates in the sense of like how else does it work for you know how they're well you said they're not really announced it's a weekly thing right so it's not like you announce them at the beginning of the season right we actually don't announce any placements at the beginning of the season which is something we also do different we post a program list so freshmen through seniors no matter what level they're on freshman team jv team varsity team um we write down their numbers on the list and say come to our meeting we have those one-on-one meetings letting them know what program or what level of the program they made the same thing with those three bullet points so it's like our entrance interview is what we call it great Um, but we also have them commit to their spot on the team knowing at the first game like you might not be flooring and this is the work you're going to have to do like they have to commit to then like they're okay being on jv which is sometimes hard when you're thinking you're going to make a varsity level team or something so they also have to commit but the people who aren't performing right away they have that expectation to know I'm going to put in the work. They see what I can work on right away. 
we don't label anybody on the list and it helps also opening those lines of communication, whether or not they're going to floor or not floor. Yeah. So then the other logistical part comes in for me. How and when do you bring parents in? So I've had three meetings where parents attended the meeting, one of which was an athlete who was on varsity for the first season, moved down to JV the second season. Okay. I met with the parents first, letting them know what I, the conversation I was going to have with their with their athlete. We had just a virtual conversation about it. And then I said, I'm going to have this conversation with them with just the athlete. And then I'm mm-hmm. going to bring you into it in case there's any questions or if they just like want the emotional support. I walked away for like five minutes for them to talk and then came back. And I just said like, I'll be back. Like you guys decide, have that conversation. Let me know. So that was one reason. Other reasons might be if it was like, they weren't um, behaviorally meeting expectations of the team. Had they been on the team for three years and then for some reason they're just a surge of talent and then they lost their place on the team. I always meet with parents first. I feel like if the, if I feel like the kid's going to walk away crying or they're going to feel like let down by something, I let their parents know first. I want to know that they go home taken care of. The parents and guardians appreciate that as well. The heads up that, well, my, my athlete told me this was going to happen and then something completely different did. Totally. And I think that's usually my thought is, you know, what the athlete tells their parent is often like, oh, I know I got this in the bag or of course I'm going to compete that routine and then it doesn't happen is when it's, even if they actually don't necessarily expect it, but they're not willing to share that with their parent yet. Right. And I always tell the parents on my team, I'm always happy to discuss questions. I will not ever discuss another dancer mm-hmm. and the conversation is not going to change my decision. So I'm going to give your intent is to change my mind. That's not going to happen, but I will answer any question that you have because I spend a lot of time making the decision I made. Sure. It's not just on a whim. So I'm like, I have any question you have, I'm happy to answer, but yeah, know what the outcome is not going to be different. So yeah. Oh, I like that approach though. That's great to help them understand. Like, I'm happy to talk to you. It's not like this was a behind the scenes. You'll never know what I did. It's no, I, I thoroughly thought this through. I will share it with you. But importantly, they do often want to know why so-and-so made it and mine didn't. And like, that's where we cross lines. We're like, nope. And I always tell them like, just like I won't discuss your dancer with another parent. I'm not going to discuss another dancer with you. Whether yeah. it's a behavior issue, making the team doesn't matter that Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't. <laughs> you just can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Other, any other tips, thoughts you want to share with coaches about alternates in this part of your program? I think that it's really important for no matter what philosophy you have on if they're considered alternates, not considered alternate. It's just really important for that person to feel first and foremost, like they are not waiting for something bad to happen to somebody else. I think they should feel like they're not just practicing in the corner. So we have like in our formations that practice an alternate position. So like there are spots in the formation where the alternate practices. So they are given corrections with the team. They are given the opportunity to perform it full out to actually get better because you don't want to feel like your coach is the person holding you back. And I, looking back on like the first couple of years I coached, I was like, I totally did that to some, some athletes where they weren't given the opportunity to be the best that they could be because it was like, all right, you're off in the corner, practice there. And it was just not possible. So I think, I would say the most important thing I think now is giving them the opportunity to get better and reach their potential with your help. Mm-hmm. That's such great advice to think about it, that make sure you're not the one holding them back. And again, that's, I know that's not our intentions ever, but that's, you know, does your philosophy align with what's actually happening? Yeah. And I like the 
coach from Manuka, Illinois. She, I mean, she is fantastic. And I will reach out to her all the time and kind of bounce ideas off of her. And like, there's sometimes she says things and she's like, unsolicited advice. Like, here's this. I'm like, sometimes like, even like as a new mom, like I think like, how did I not know that, you know? (laughs) And I think so it does like looking back on being able to reflect on your own choices and knowing how is it actually affecting. And I have that conversation with my leaders on my team. Like you guys be able to hear if something's not working and if it's not, that's okay. You still have to get better though. So yeah. What a powerful lesson for us as adults still and our leaders too, understanding that, yeah, it's like, it's not going to, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to try alternates or I'm going to try flooring and not flooring or whatever you want to think through. And then it may not go super smoothly day one when you try that or the whole first season is going to be a little rocky. But if it's like, if it's coming from your philosophy, you've really thought it through and you've communicated that and then you figure out what does and doesn't work and you adjust and keep moving on. Yeah. I mean, that first season I did this, it was not smooth. <laughs> it was, I don't want to say it was a hot mess because it really wasn't just a total disaster, but there were a lot of hiccups and a lot of honest conversations from the dancers to me and from me to the dancers. So, I mean, there's things that I maybe disagree with what they said, but being able to hear them out, help them understand and move forward from there was like, they were like, okay, she's messing this up, but we'll get there. You know, as long as you're coming from the right place and you can show them that mm-hmm. athletes are pretty resilient. Absolutely. I so appreciate that. Like honest conversations, both directions. That's a really yes. important part. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and advice today. I really appreciate it. Sure. This podcast is brought to you by Dancer Fitness. If you listen to the podcast, you know I often refer to dancers as athletes because in my mind, we are absolutely athletes. But do you train your dancers like they are athletes? At dancerfitness.com, you can find hundreds of exercises and training plans designed exclusively for dancers. Whether it's for more consistent turns, higher jumps, or a stronger core, and from beginner to advanced, dancerfitness.com has you covered. Monthly memberships begin at just $1. Start training your dancers today at dancer-fitness.com. That's dancer-fitness.com. Hi, Renee. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi. How are you, Chelsea? Good to see you. I am doing... Doing so well, thank you. Will you introduce yourself, please, for a moment for those who don't know you? Yes, hello. I'm Renee Buchholz. I'm a varsity dance coach for over 25 years. Um, I currently coach for the DC Everest dance team, and um, we have won three state championship titles under my leadership. Um, And I also have a forum called Starting Strong for cheer and dance coaches where it's just an opportunity for coaches to kind of network and talk about the nuts and bolts of coaching. That's just kind of actually more of the the pains and Mm -hmm. hopefully the gains of of coaching. Um, But it's just a a place to be vulnerable and have some honest conversation, which I started a few years ago just for fun. But I felt like it was a place that one of my passions is mentoring coaches and helping coaches to be the best they can be with their programs. And sometimes dance is a culture where we like to keep things secret or um, it has like a historical, you know, we don't want to share our routines because we're afraid someone's going to steal them or Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And 
Um, even myself as a younger coach, I remember thinking, oh, I'm doing something that really works. I hope no one finds out about this, you know, <laughs> like, and um, through the years, I've just really, really been like, God, if I know something that works, like, or if somebody else has something that works, please help me out over here. Right. Like, right. Throw the girl a bone. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I am the same way. And that's a big part of why the podcast started in the first place. It's like people need to share and talk and help each other. So thank you. So talking about alternates specifically today, will you share a little bit about your kind of philosophy around alternates or why you've had them in the past, how that's worked for your program? Absolutely. You know, I think whether you call them alternates or reserve squad or, you know, making cuts on your team, no, no matter what way you try to frame it, um, it's a cut, you know, whether you have a list. Um, at auditions and you label the girls who you think are going to be your alternate, you know, there's a little bit of rejection that goes with that. And so my philosophy, when I really, really get down to the nuts and bolts of it is to be honest. And it's taken me a long time, you know, 25 years of coaching, took me a long time to really wrap my head around what I wanted from my team and how I wanted to make those cuts, how to make them feel honest and how to make them feel not like a rejection. And, you know, where, however you put it, there's a little bit of rejection that goes into it. But I feel like as a, a program and as a dance coach, it's really important for dance coaches to have a really clear understanding of why they do what they do. For me, my why really started to take shape and take form when I would see juniors in high school who might be my alternates still. Mm -hmm. And so if I have a junior in high school who might not dance or might not perform, they've invested a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money and a lot of like everything to this program that it becomes a place for, as a coach, like you just keep them on to keep them on. And I felt that there wasn't, that wasn't the best way to help them grow. You know, if they're still an alternate or still not where they need to be as a junior and senior in high school, there should be, there needs to be some honest conversation with them. They need to have some honest, they need to have some honest conversation with them because maybe they could be the star of DACA or maybe there's something, a different place for them where they have different talents. Um, you know, maybe it's in color guard or maybe it's in the drama department or maybe it's who knows, but there's so many opportunities and to hold somebody into a place on a team because we as coaches aren't comfortable having those hard conversations and having those honest conversations with our teammates just doesn't seem fair either. Um, so that's, that's a little bit. But I think whether you call it a reserve team or a roster adjustment or whatever, there still needs to be a policy. And so, Chelsea, when thinking about that, um, you know, all sports, have to do, have to make cuts. But I have, I've created kind of, you know, dance is a, is a unique situation because we are in seasons, right? And dance has like their summer season maybe or their fall season and their competition or their winter season. So um, for myself, I'm always have been like, there's so much time for these athletes to grow and show me what they are all about and who they are and how to get, we know that our freshmen aren't strong high kickers, but we know we can develop those skills if we just have some time with them. But I felt that, you know, my 
perception of what I think I can get someone to do and then what they really can do, they can't read my mind. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be some transparency between the athlete and myself. And so it starts right at the audition process. Um, And so in their little written audition or in their written contract, we talk about like, how would it feel to be an alternate for a routine or not rostered on a routine? And they answer that question. And then they also just fill in a box that says, yes, I understand that making the team does not mean I'll dance all the dances. Mm-hmm. So that's a first step. That's definitely yeah. like a first step. You know, we're, we're at least making it transparent that, you know what, you might make the team, but you might not dance in all the dances. Um, I think as coaches, we often know like who our bottom three are or who our bottom four are, but we don't, you know, and some people want, you know, just to label that right on the list, say you're an alternate so that they can make their choice to quit or stay on. But I think it's too, I think we have come to, we're at a place in our society and our cultural difference where like publicly shaming on a list might not be the best way to, you know, address that issue. Um, but so, and, and another, so just to go back one more thing with auditions, and if there's somebody who's not going to make the team and is going to like not make the list or not make the cut, um, I definitely send out emails to those, to those athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit that some years I'm better at that than other years. I feel like there's a time crunch and sometimes things get the best of me, but um, an email kind of explaining what they can do to develop their skills to be better, um, recommending dance studios in the area, um, recommending other programs that can help them feel strong and confident in their future auditions yeah. is kind of a way to go. Yeah. So that touches on one part, I guess, Chelsea, yeah. but um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I love the overall philosophy of honesty. And I think we shy away from honesty for the hope that we don't hurt feelings, but that's not really helping people. And so much, I think it's a Brene Brown quote about clear is kind and just you're actually supporting them by having an honest, and you can obviously with a tone of voice and a way that is warm and helpful, but honesty goes a long way that coaches who are scared to have that hard, honest conversation because you're afraid to hurt feelings, I think you're hurting them more by not having that conversation. Absolutely. And there's, um, you know, being clear and being honest. And and I know for myself, I like transparency. I like to know, you know, what's expected of me. I like to know, like, you know, there are definitely athletes who can really thrive in like an objective situation. Like tell me the things I need to do coach to get to where I need to be. And so those conversations don't, we can't open the door to those conversations if we aren't talking about and being honest to them about where they need to get to, to be on that, in that routine. Absolutely. So yeah, you had some great advice about auditions, other aspects about how having alternates works during your season. So absolutely. So yeah, we look at it, you know, when you have the audition process, they know that they are not necessarily going to be in every routine. So then the next step, and this is where it got a little foggy for me for a little bit. And so I'll talk about a new system that I've implemented that's really helped make it more clear. Mm-hmm. But um, I would watch, you know, I would watch throughout um, the, the season, you know, I would at the end of a practice, I'd say, you know what, we just did 20 minutes of, of cardio and we did um, strength and conditioning today. And what I saw from 
many of you was not the kind of effort that I want to see every day. I'm like, you're not giving it your all. You're not looking like I what my expectations are. So I kind of say that in general to the whole team, but then when they are like putting their stuff away and getting a drink of water or getting their shoes, changing their shoes or whatever, I pull a, over a couple girls and say, you know, I just want you to know that I really noticed that you were slacking today and that it really didn't feel like you were valuing the workout. You know, you're going to be an important competitor. I need you to do more. Mm -hmm. I need you to do more during our practices. So those small, tiny conversations, I think we also avoid as coaches because we don't want to make them feel bad. And we'll say things to ourselves like, oh, they're just having a bad day or, oh, I'm sure they're just tired. Or we, we as coaches sometimes make our own excuses for our athletes. Mm -hmm. I think if you're really seeing certain athletes not doing what you want them to do, you have to let them know because they can't read your mind. Yeah. You know, And we don't want... We don't want our athletes to rolling rolling out their eyes at us, but I think that we, if we just like look the other way, it's kind of like we're rolling our eyes at them, like, oh, I can't believe they're doing that again, yeah. when we really need to be clear. So I think those little conversations are important so that there's not just a shock when they, so what happened with me was I felt like a lot of times I always told them, like, you will get a letter at the end of the summer or like by September 1st or by October 1st, whatever it was going to be, that tells you what routines you will be rostered in. It'll tell you if you are going to make the roster for kick or for jazz or for palm or for football palm or whatever it might be. But I found that sometimes those still came as a shock because there was nothing that helped them know that it was coming. Like I was watching, I was paying attention. I was trying to learn. I was trying to like see where they were at. I was trying to figure out what's going to be best for my palm routine. Um, but they didn't always realize they were on the edge, you know, like they were like close. Right. So now um, I've, I've adapted um, Aaron Mansky's tier system, which is something that you, you've had her on a podcast. And it's yeah. a, it's a very, very analytical um, situation that allows the athletes to see their growth, to see their progress, to see them moving up in the tiers, to see them, they make their own goals and set their own goals for themselves. So that's helped in two ways. It's really made, I can do, um, I can like, when they submit their videos for evaluation, I can make comments. And so I feel like I am personally touching base with every single athlete, you know, on a more daily basis than I was in the past. Um, so now I have some criteria that's like, you need to be at tier four to be considered, to be considered mm -hmm. to be on the roster for competition pump. And so when there was like five girls who were submitting their videos the day they were due, that next day we had a, I had a hard conversation with them and said, you know what, you're a procrastinator, but think of how much more you could have gotten out of those, I could have given you so much more feedback, but I couldn't because you submitted it last minute. I'm like, can I trust you in my palm routine to not wait till last minute to get it done? So it's given me just a, a, a um, avenue for like building trust and showing how procrastination can hurt and showing what I need from an athlete if they're going to be successful in a competition routine. I need you to I need to trust that you're going to put in the work and not wait till the last minute. 
yeah. you know, so those, are, those are helpful conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And big, well, shout out to Aaron and the tier system. And it's, I just wanted to go double check it. It's episode 25 and it was wonderful. And I agree. It gives you a way to have, have data in front of you and to be able to have the conversation. So if you're worried about how do I have those hard conversations, it helps you to have, you know, you're coming from a place of fact. And the other thing I was going to say is I appreciate the desire to have those hard conversations with them because so many coaches, like, especially they come to me as the psychologist and they want me to tell them like the, you, not to do that. And like, you just care for them and coddle them. And I'm like, you can love them and care for them, but challenge them. Like there is a balance to that. And that you can have a hard conversation if you have a relationship that's based in trust and care, and they know that you truly care about them and their growth, you can have the hard conversation. If you are constantly beating up on them and being mean, then no, that hard conversation is not going to go well. But if it's that foundation first, it's, that's what they need. As you said, those the teenagers especially need that support and system. Hi, Deanna. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. Will you please just take a second and introduce yourself? Of course. So my name's Jana. I like to say Anna with a J. I started Choreography Wire a couple years ago, um, and I also have seven years of coaching experience, and I was a professional dancer for seven years as well. Wonderful. Well, you, I know you've done so many different things, which is a great perspective that you can bring to this conversation. So will you share a little bit about your philosophy around alternates or like why you've used them in the past for your programs? Sure. So I think kind of the most primary reason that I've even introduced alternates into my program was kind of allotting for the inevitable, the sickness, the injuries, things that happen later on in the season, especially, you know, kind of when burnout sets in. Um, you know, if I have a small team, which I always have, if I have 12 strong dancers, I still set the routine for 10, just allotting for kind of those changes. Nine is actually my favorite number <laughs> to stage. Um, and luckily that's kind of worked out for me for the past couple of years, but uh, I always set it that way for competition and even game day. I'll have a couple stand out every game. It just helps with you know, families planning vacations and being able to, to live their lives simultaneously with a really demanding season. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and my team, you know, especially when it started, I'm working with a really diverse set of dancers, some that have danced their whole life and some that are, have never danced before. It's been their first experience mm -hmm. being with me. And, um, you know, it would be way too overwhelming to ask, you know, first year member who's now on a competitive hip hop program to completely relearn the dance. It's just way easier to say, know your place and uh, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out the rest. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of helps with that. And then I think ultimately balancing the whole year, I want them to feel really successful at a, at a game performance. I want them to feel really happy about their performance at competition. And the best way mm -hmm. that has worked for me is to be able to have that cushion of it's always happened. Actually, I should mention, I've never had a year where I didn't need to use an alternate, mm -hmm. whether it was for regionals or state or league. I've always had to use one. Yeah. Well, I guess that helps them too. They know like, it's not just, I'm calling you an alternate, but you're never actually going to dance. Like, no, this is real. And I, we very well may need you. And 
now you're available and ready. Right. And so I would say um, they're made aware of that right away. So when I even do the audition process, I let them know I'm going to have alternates and that they have to audition for the routine regardless. So even my senior has to, my amazing senior that I've had for four years mm-hmm. that, that knows it's the ins and outs has to audition for that routine. Mm-hmm. It's like pushing the baby birds out of the nest. And I, I like to say, okay, you need to have the routine ready by this date. And they go one by one. And the helpful part of that is that they, they themselves understand why or why not they're placed in the routine. Mm-hmm. They were able to see firsthand this girl was killing it yeah. or this person absolutely should be in the front and center yeah. of this dance. Um, and it's not necessarily a way to put any shame or, I mean, we are really positive in that audition. It's not a closed audition. They all get to watch each other. Um, they cheer for each other. They root for each other. I had one girl completely blank one year and stopped dancing and the whole team rallied behind her and they started marking it up at the front so she could catch on and we're just screaming for her. And ultimately I knew she was ready. It was just that anxiety of performing in front of her peers that got the best of her, but it was good for her to experience that because you're going to feel it when you're dancing in front of hundreds of your peers at state. So let's kind of get you, get your toe in the water. (laughs) So Um, And it's always been really successful because they really work together and they can identify as a team their weaknesses or the spots in the dance that really need some extra TLC. And it's been really successful for me. Well, it says a lot about the culture too, because I think people sometimes are scared of alternates or coaches are worried about it causing dissension among the team or like causing drama and problems. But it sounds like you can do it in a way that has actually helped your team get closer. Yes. I mean, and it definitely just broadens their awareness. I think especially at that age, that high school age, there is a lack of self-awareness at times and it just broadens their horizons of like, this is what we need to do together as a team. And when you see one of your teammates squander their opportunity or aren't working hard enough, you know, telling someone they're not working hard enough is not going to do anything. You have to, you know, lead by example. And having that alternate situation really also enables that person to get to the level they need to be at. I'm not going to push you into it and make you resent the whole process. If you have an opportunity to dance on the side, full out, attend every practice, do everything that everyone else is doing, but at a different pace, maybe, then you'll get there. You might just not be there by December. Maybe you're there in time for nationals. Maybe you're there in time for another competition. Um, so it's kind of like a sliding scale almost of getting prepared, right. you know? Well, especially like you said, if you have a team that has a huge range of abilities, then it allows everybody to work at their level, whatever that might be. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'll give you all the resources and, and time and effort. Um, but the best thing that I could say is that just setting that expectation right out of the gate and letting them know it's not a punishment, it's an opportunity um, it's an opportunity not only for you to get to that level, but also for the whole team to succeed should somebody get injured or something happen to where we don't have to restage the entire routine. You know, we can figure it out and make sure that you guys feel your strongest. I always positioned it as I'm never going to put you out there and make you feel embarrassed. I'm going to put you out there and I want you to walk off of that 
floor feeling like, wow, I did my best and grateful for the experience. Never like, oh my God, why did I, why did I sign up for this? I would never want someone to feel that way. So right out of the get-go at auditions, I let them know there will be alternates. I'm also flexible. If they're all ready and they look amazing, I'll stage it with everybody. But like I said, I've never had a year where I didn't need an alternate. You know, the night before state, last state, I had somebody text me that they couldn't even walk. Like they had something go on with their hip and they couldn't walk. So I texted my alternate and said, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) You're stepping in, review the video, learn her spots, and we'll get there early and and try to figure out, you know, the staging and get you comfortable. Um, But it's so much better to have one out of nine or one out of, you know, 25 even who feels like, wow, I got to get this together than my entire team feeling that way. So And then they still rallied around each other. That one girl who stepped in, the rest of the team was like, okay, you need to look for me at this part. And (laughs) you need to come down on six now. And so it wasn't just me trying to coach this one person. My entire team is now coaching this one person. And she felt like a rock star afterwards. She's like, wow, I I got to dance and you all helped me and you all believed in me and it was like almost a life-changing thing for I her. Bet. So well, and it's I think the from the mindset point of view, all the mini auditions all the time helps them, like you said, kind of prepare for that of like if this is going to be stressful for you to perform alone in front of your team, which I'm sure it is for all of them. Like, but you can do it in a way that's, you know, if you said the team is celebrating them and like let's do it in a occasion where everyone is smiling at you and clapping for you and cheering you on and you know go for it when it's scary. So that if I do have to put you on our state routine 24 hours in advance, you say, okay, this is scary, but I can do scary. Like I know I can do something that's intimidating. I know I'll be okay. Like, Cause you've set them up for that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I mean, I've learned from even you before that it's best to practice the way they're going to perform. So we practice for every, <laughs> every occasion. And those alternates don't just stay on the side the whole time, even throughout the learning process, I'll have them switch in and out with people who I know, I mean, you know, as a coach, ultimately who's going to be in the dance, but when it comes to the performance day, you don't know if your rock star is going to be feeling well, or, and especially now with COVID and new protocols and people really, if they're not feeling ill, needing to stay home, that will be a lot more prevalent. So we really did practice like, Hey, this time Lily and Annie, you guys switch and let's try to figure out different spots because I want you to be prepared if it happens. If it doesn't happen, great. Your next experience on a dance team, you might be 10 times more prepared than you would have been. So it's always ultimately just, I think, a great philosophy to integrate at some point, whether it's game day or or um, competition. I think it's great to just kind of get used to having that option, at least, because mm-hmm. um, eventually you'll need it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, it's such a good perspective and advice for them. Have you any other last thoughts, tips you want to share with coaches considering alternates? Yeah, I think just ultimately make sure your team is well aware of those philosophies. I think there's nothing like it blowing up in your face. If you have the full audition, tell everybody the fees, you know, and then say, by the way, you're an alternate. I think it's better to say ultimately before they even audition not all of you may perform like performances are earned and I'll give you everything I can. You will still pay the fees. You will still attend all the auditions and we'll get you where we need to get you. 
Um, but I think as long as that's understood right away, it's great. It's when parents are super excited about, you know, having their child on the dance team and then paying their fees and then hearing that their child's an alternate. That's when it kind of blows up, you know, but if they know it's a, an, a chance or it's a, an, what's the word I'm looking for? If they know it's a possibility. something that might happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. A possibility. Right. There's the word. <laughs> Uh, if they know that it's a possibility and that it's fostered in a positive way mm-hmm. and not a punishment, mm-hmm. then I think you're gravy. Everybody will have your back right. and be just kind of grateful to be yeah. there. Well, like you said, they can tell your intention. If your intention is, I want to help you be better and I want to make sure you are set up for success. You're not, I'm not pulling you from the routine as a punishment. I'm adding you to the routine when you are ready and will be successful. And like, that's exactly technically the same thing, but a very different perspective and like how you talk to them about it could be very different. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for your perspective and sharing today, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I wanted to come back on by myself to wrap up and just share the main themes that really stood out to me. One is communication. As coaches, we have to be ready to have the hard conversations. We want our dancers to know the truth, that we will be honest with them, and that clear is kind. Be honest, but also make sure they know that they can be honest with you too. It goes both ways. Talk to them about what an alternate is on your team, what that truly means, and how being an alternate may actually be advantageous to them. It's what's going to really help them grow and be their best. Second was a theme of trust, making sure your dancers know I'm going to figure out a way for you to dance. Like this is not to say you will never be on the floor and I'm not going to ignore you. I'm here to help make sure this is what's best for the team, but it's what's best for you too. You may need a little more time, you know, that in between JV and varsity, but trust me, I have a plan. I'm going to figure out a way for you to dance. You can again, explain it as a service in their favor in order to help make sure they are in a routine. And this is not a punishment. Third, ultimately, I think culture is why this works. You're giving them a, a sense of autonomy and giving them that choice of, you know, do you want to compete in every routine at a lower level? Or do you want to be an alternate here? That's showing them that you respect their choice and their decisions and that they have a voice, making sure that you have a culture where you show alternates their value and not just you, but your leaders, that everyone truly understands their place and that an alternate is not less than. They are a very important part of the program. And finally, I think it's important to remember it won't be perfect and smooth the first time you try out an alternate program and that's okay. Use what works for you adapt and change and you'll find the right fit for your program. I hope these conversations helped you and please send me an email or a DM and let me know what strategies you're going to try. And whether you decide to use alternates or not, keep sharing your passion for dance with the world. 